You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. That's a really old uh, video that somebody had just taken recently and kind of redid that. Um, and it's just a powerful story. If you've never seen or ever heard anything about uh, Dick and Rick Hoyt, um, uh, Dick Hoyt, the father, has since passed away. Um, but again, just a very, very powerful story. And I love that last line there, together has power. Did you catch that? It says, don't run life alone. And that's really what the whole 23rd Psalm is really about. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Together has power. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still quiet waters. Together has power. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake or for his reputation. Again, together has power. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Together has power. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Together has power. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Together has power. Don't run in life alone. Today we're going to conclude our series on the 23rd Psalm. We've been going through this uh, psalm, this chapter uh, there in the book of Psalms. We've been going through it verse by verse. And this morning we're going to look at what is God's answer? What is God's response when we fear the future? Now, a lot of people spend a lot of their life kind of worrying about tomorrows. They're, they're worrying about the future. A lot of people never enjoy today. They're not really ever to be able to be present in the moment because they're constantly looking to and thinking about and worrying about what is to come. And since God is the only one who knows what the future holds, we worry because we've kind of led ourselves to believe that it all depends on me. And yet David, interestingly, as he concludes this psalm, is not worried. He's not focused on the future. He says in Psalm 23, verse 6, he says, surely. Some translations use the word certainly. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You don't get any hint of anxiety. You don't pick up any kind of fear in that statement. You don't get the idea that David's worrying about tomorrow because he says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me 
all the days of my life. Now, where do you get that kind of confidence? See, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, I think we've got three very good reasons why we don't need to fear the future. And the first one is, is because God is watching over me. Psalm 145 says this, the Lord watches over all who love him. God cares about every detail of your life, whether you believe that or not. It's true. God watches over every detail of your life from the greatest to the smallest details. Like a loving father, he longs to provide for you both now in the present as well as into the future. And we know, or we should know as Christians, that God is in control, even if it seems like things around us are out of control. We take peace in knowing that regardless of the chaos around us, we believe that God is in control, that he loves us, and that it is his desire to help us. He says, I will be like a father, and I will watch over you. Now, I love that, that statement there, surely or certainly, goodness and mercy will follow. Now, what's interesting about that is oftentimes when we're going through situations and circumstances in life, in the midst of trouble, sometimes it's hard to see. Sometimes it's impossible to see God's goodness and mercy in the midst of it. But David says, it's as we look back as we kind of come out of that circumstance, that situation, as we look back at what we've been through, David says, surely, certainly, you will then see God's goodness and mercy was there. It was following you. It was there all along. Now, David had disappointments in life. Not everything that happened to David was good, if you know anything about David. So he's not saying only good things happen to good people. That's, that's not true. Several weeks ago, we talked about good things happen to bad people just as bad things happen to good people. So David's not saying only good things are going to happen to us. And there's a whole, you know, gospel built on that. You know, the, the only good things happen to us. That's just not true. What he is saying is he said only goodness will eventually flow from whatever happens. He says, David is saying, surely goodness and mercy will follow me. He says, he's saying there that goodness will always eventually come out of everything that happens to us, even in the bad, even in the evil, even in the difficult, the troublesome circumstances of life. David says, no matter what is happening in your life, if you are a follower of God, he says, eventually, God will cause goodness to prevail in that. David is saying no matter what happens, goodness, his faithfulness, his mercy will prevail. It will be the guaranteed outcome in every circumstance you're in. God is committed 
to seeing that goodness, mercy, and faithfulness is the end result. Paul says this in Romans 8, 28. He says, and we know. Again, you could just say, surely, or certainly. God causes everything, the good, the bad, the righteous, the unrighteous, the desirable, the undesirable, the things we have done, the things that have been done to us, all things, God causes all things to work together for good. Now, here's the stipulation. God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are living their lives according to his purpose. Now again, this is not a promise for everybody, okay? All things do not work out for good for everybody in the world, okay? God causes good things to eventually come to happen to those who love him and those who are living their lives according to his purposes. So if you're a believer, the Bible says everything that happens in your life, the noble things, the bad things, the right and the wrong, the good and the evil, says God is committed and he is actively working in all of those circumstances weaving them together so at some point you're going to be able to look back into that situation that circumstance you're going to be able to look back into your past whether that's the immediate past or you know maybe a, a distant past at some point you're going to be able to look back at that and you're going to be able to see the goodness of god was at work in that situation again not all things that happen to us are good but all things coming and working together so that goodness is the ultimate outcome. That's, that's what David is saying. That's what Paul is saying here. That's what it means. Goodness and mercy will follow me. It means there is no difficulty. There's no dilemma. There's no disaster in the life of a Christian that ultimately in time, God won't bring goodness out of it regardless of how bad it is at the time. How many times have you heard the statement, the best indicator of the future is the past? That's true. Now I'm gonna make a simple statement right now that I hope will speak volumes to you about how you can use the past to help you face today and the future. Are you ready for this? this is really big, very profound, very deep. Are you ready? Here it is. You're here now, aren't you? Amen. Right? Whatever has happened to you in the past, no matter how difficult that was, you're here right now, aren't you? Amen. Little banged up, yeah. Maybe a little bruised, perhaps. Maybe, uh, you know, a little worse for the wear, Probably, but you're here and you're still standing. One of the greatest leaders who ever lived was Moses. And Moses at one point had to sit the entire nation of Israel down and he had to do this occasionally. 
And he often would take those opportunities and he would remind the whole nation of Israel what God had done for them in the past. So as he was trying to prepare the nation of Israel to go into the promised land, he sits the nation of Israel down and he says this to them in Deuteronomy chapter one, beginning in verse 30. He says, the Lord, your God is going before you. It means he's going ahead of you. He will fight for you just as you saw him do in Egypt. So again, what is the, the past is a good indicator of the future. What God did in the past, God's going to do again. He fought for you there. He's going to fight for you here. And you saw how the Lord, your God, cared for you again and again here in the wilderness, just as a father cares for his child. So Moses is kind of inviting the nation of Israel, hey, let's just stroll down memory lane together, shall we? And and as they go down there, Moses kind of just begins to recount all of the ways that God was faithful and the ways that God was providing, the ways that God's goodness was being revealed to them. And he's saying to them, do you remember the parting of the sea? Yeah, our backs are up against the wall. We had nowhere to turn. The enemy's breathing down our necks. And all of a sudden, God parts the Red Sea and we pass through it on dry land. Our enemies, they tried to come after us to enslave us. And what does God do? He closes the Red Sea and our enemies drowned. So remember how even here in the wilderness, how we had no food, remember? And how we cried out to God. And what did God do? God provided manna, you remember that? And and he provided quail. So Moses, uh, again, reminds them how God provided for them, how God fed them. Every morning, God gave them manna, which was bread from heaven. And then at night, he gave them quail. And they didn't even have to bake the bread. They didn't even have to go out and hunt the quail. It was brought to them. It was the original DoorDash. When they needed water, remember, God just told Moses, hey, just go up and and hit the rock. Ever gotten water from a rock? I never have. I've thrown plenty of rocks in the water, but I've never gotten water to come out of a rock. God tells Moses, hit the rock. And he does, and water comes out and takes care of their, their thirst. And the whole point Moses is making as he's kind of recounting all of these incidences where God shows up is he says, do you see how God performed in the past? Do you see how God watched over us in the past? Do you see how God provided for us in the past? Don't you think that God will do that again and again and again, both now and into the future. He's saying a great indicator of the future is the past. And just as God was faithful there, God is faithful now, and he will be faithful going forward. God said something amazing to the nation of Israel through the prophet Isaiah. Listen to these words in Isaiah 43, chapter 4. I will still be the same when you are old and gray, and I will take care of you. I created you. In other words, I'm responsible for you. 
I can be trusted to take care of you. I will carry you and always keep you safe. Now it helps if you can kind of see your life as maybe kind of two bookends. From the moment you were conceived to the moment you die, God was there, God is there, and God will always be there taking care of you. I love something King David said one time in Psalm 37, verse 25. He said, I've been young. He's looking back to a time when he was a young man. And he says, now I am old. And he said, yet, as I look back on my life, he says, I have never seen the righteous forsaken or God's descendants begging for bread. David's saying, I have a history. I have a long history with God. And David's history with God was that God was always faithful. You could always see God's goodness and mercy in every circumstance of his life. And he says, God has always provided for me. He's always with me. He has always taken care of me. And so no matter what David went through, no matter what happened to David, David knew and he understood and he took complete peace in knowing that God had never abandoned him. The apostle Paul was unjustly arrested and he was confined uh, to prison in Rome. Now to most of us, we would look at that and say, that's not a good thing. Paul's being kept as a prisoner in Rome. But did you know this? As that prisoner in Rome, as he was imprisoned, it was there that he wrote some of the books we now have included in the New Testament. Was his imprisonment good? No, but God was able to take it and bring forth goodness from it. Goodness came out of Paul's imprisonment because he loved God and he was called, he was committed to God's purposes for his life. So when those bad things like imprisonment came, Paul trusted, Paul knew that God was going to take what was meant for evil and he was going to bring something good out of it. And God did. Goodness ultimately prevailed in Paul's difficult situation. And today we continue to benefit from Paul's problems, his pain, his difficulties, goodness followed Paul, goodness followed David, goodness will follow us. Second reason that we can take hope and not fear in the future is because God's amazing grace is working in us. Not only will goodness follow you, Mercy will also, or some translations will say faithfulness, God's faithfulness will follow you all the days of your life. Isaiah 60 uh, verse 10 says, I will have mercy on you through my grace. God's mercy is not about anything to do with you. It's all about his grace. It's a means of his grace. I talked about that earlier. God's mercy is a means of his grace. And God's grace is amazing. We, we talk about grace a lot here. And again, grace is the fact that God gives you what you need, not what you deserve. If every one of us in this room got what we deserved, we would be a, a, a smoking ash heap right now, right? 
Grace is the fact that God gives you what you need, not what you deserve. How many of you remember the old television show, The Millionaire? It was an old show, and each week, now a million dollars nowadays probably doesn't seem like a whole lot of money, does it? But each week, an anonymous millionaire would give one million dollar gift to someone, and that that gift of money was always free, but the gift of money always made a dramatic change in the life of the recipient. That is the same with God's grace. God's grace will always make a big change in the life of the recipient. That's how grace is. You don't change in order to receive God's grace. You change as a result of experiencing God's grace. What is mercy? Best explanation for that is it's God's grace in action. Whereas God's grace gives us what we need, not what we deserve, God is withholding from us what we do deserve. That's his mercy. And again, when we really begin to understand the fullness of God's grace and mercy, that God isn't out there trying to get even with us. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, Jesus has taken the penalty on the cross He has taken the penalty for every sin, every failure, every mistake, every wrong we have committed. He took all of it and he paid for that on the cross. So when a bad thing happens, you don't have to think God's getting even with you. God doesn't get even for things that have already been paid for on the cross. That's grace, that's mercy. And when you understand God's grace and mercy, then we really have no need to fear the future. One of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 103. I'm not gonna read all of it, I'm tempted to. Let me just read a few verses out of there. It says, yes, I will bless the Lord and I will not forget the glorious things he has done for me. He forgives all my sins. Now that that word all there means just what we think it means. All, everything, every sin, every wrong. When we confess that, the word says God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All we do is just confess, God, I've sinned. God, I've done wrong here. Would you forgive me? And God says, absolutely. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He ransoms me, he's bought me. He's ransomed me from hell. And he surrounds me with loving kindnesses and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. He is merciful and tender towards those who don't deserve it. You may be here this morning, you're thinking, Pastor, I don't deserve that. It's never been about that. It's never been about what you deserve. It's always been about what you need and what he is able to do, what he is able to offer. He is merciful and tender towards those who don't deserve it. He is slow to get angry and full of kindness and love. He never bears a grudge. Now get this one, I love this one. He has not punished us 
as we deserve for all our sins. For his mercy is as great as the height of the heaven. He is like a father to us, tender and sympathetic to those who reverence him. Can when you understand God's mercy, when you understand his grace, that God is not only being good to you, but he is being merciful to you in handling your mistakes, your sins, your faults, then you really have no reason to fear the past, the present, or the future. I want you to remember something as we talk about the past, the present, and the future. Yesterday's gone. You can't change it. There's nothing you can do to alter the things of yesterday. Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow is not here. You can't touch it. You can't live a moment of tomorrow. All you can do is live today in the present. And the best thing about the future is it only comes one day at a time. And the only day you need to be concerned about, Jesus said, is today. For tomorrow will have enough concerns of its own so don't get overwhelmed by that, but just live in today. Now, you may not realize this, but uh, worry is an optional misery, right? Amen. Worry, it's an, it's an optional misery. You don't have to worry. Nobody forces it on you. Every time you and I choose to get worried, we chose to do that. Every time we fear the future, we've chosen to fear the future, this is one area where those of us who are true followers of Jesus Christ have an advantage over those who are not. Because when you know the book, the Bible, and you know God, then you also know you don't ever need to worry. Again, when we choose, and again, it's our choice. When we choose to worry, one advantage to that is we can leave tomorrow alone. When we choose not to worry, that is the one advantage of it is that we can leave tomorrow completely alone. When tomorrow comes, God will give you the grace and the strength you need for it then, just as he's giving you the strength and the grace that you need for today, for right now. Your calendar year gives each day its own number. Let's live them out in the order in which they've been given. Stay in one square at a time. Live one day at a time. And David says, in that mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Not some days, but all days. And again, it's just a great reminder for us to know, God doesn't turn his goodness, his mercy, his grace on and off like a faucet. He doesn't say, one day I'm going to be good to you, one day I'm going to be gracious to you, and then the next day I'm not. No. All the days of our lives, we will be recipients of God's grace and his mercy. Third reason we can face the future confidently is eternity is waiting for me. And there David concludes it and he says, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. That's one of the most important little connections we see in the Bible. It connects yesterday with today with tomorrow. 
God says, I've got this great life planned for you, and goodness and mercy is going to follow you all of those days, but that's not the end. He said, I've got, I've saved the best for last. What's going to happen at the end will be better than everything that's happened up to you to that point. And so David is kind of building to this crescendo. And David ends his psalm and says, we are going to spend eternity in the presence of the Lord. With God, it just keeps getting better and better. I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.1. He says, we know that our body will be destroyed. But when that happens, God will have a house for us. It will not be a house made by human hands. Instead, it will be a home in heaven that will last forever. And again, it's just a great reminder that one day our bodies are going to die, but we aren't. Your body is going to end, but that will not be the end of you. We weren't made for time. We were made for eternity. Why are Christians, those who believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, why should we be the most confident about things concerning the future? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 and 8 says, we look forward with confidence to our heavenly bodies. And we are not afraid, but we are quite content to die. For then we will be at home with the Lord. One of the greatest enemies of the future is death. That's something that awaits all of us. And it's something that fills many people with great anxiety, fear, and worry. When am I going to die? How am I going to die? What's going to happen to me after I die? Those are all things, again, that are future-related. They're all things that we, again, tend to think about and worry, especially if we're not believers. Death for the Christian, it, it is a transfer. It's going from this life to another life. It's, it's a promotion, if you will. It's on to better things. And one of the glorious things about eternity is there's no more problems, there's no more difficulties, there's no more struggles. It's on to better things. Someone once said, you're not really ready to live until you're ready to die. You don't know how to fully live. You'll never be able to fully live until you're ready to die, until you're content with that thought that, yes, one day I'm going to die. But as a believer, I know that I'm going to go on to eternity and be with Jesus. Therefore, I have no fear. I'm confident. Only a fool would go through all life totally unprepared for something that everyone knows is inevitable. Every one of us, unless Jesus comes back, every one of us in this room, at some point, we're, we're going to die. I get on, uh, there's a website called Zero Hedge, and whenever I get on there, it's always on the very top. Uh, on, any, uh, on any timeline long enough, the death rate is always 100%, and that's true. So if you're here this morning, and you really don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, that's why he sent Jesus, to pay a debt we could never pay, to take on sins that we could never, ever make right. 
If you're here this morning and you've never ever received the gift of eternal life, you've never asked God to forgive you of your sins, you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart to be Lord and Savior of your life this morning. This is what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. That we come into his presence, that we accept the gift of eternal life. It's a free gift to us. All we have to do is accept it and receive it. If we have accepted that gift of eternal life, if we've made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of our lives, the scriptures assure us we're going to heaven when we die. Now what is heaven going to be like? Again, we all long for a place where we're fully accepted and fully loved. Heaven will be a place where you will be fully accepted, you will be fully known, you will be fully loved. And it's a place where we will feel like we belong. Some people are blessed to experience some of that in their earthly families, but all of us have the chance to experience that ultimate homecoming in heaven. It's there that we will be reunited with loved ones, and it's there that we will look upon the lamb that was slain, the son of God, Jesus, who came and died on a cross for us. We will be able to look upon him, and he will say to us, welcome, good and faithful servant. In heaven, we're going to be rewarded for our faithfulness to God, our faithfulness uh, here on earth, our obedience to Jesus Christ. We're going to be Again, reunited with loved ones. In heaven, we're going to be given work to do that we love to do. Let me say that again. We're going to be given work to do that we love to do, that we're passionate about. It will be something you really enjoy doing. It'll be based on your giftings and your passions. I remember growing up, and the pastor in the Lutheran church I went to, he would talk about going to heaven. And I remember always seeing these pictures or these cartoons where heaven was angels sitting on a cloud strumming a harp. And I just remember kind of there was just this disappointment in my heart as kind of a little boy because I'm thinking, is that what we're going to do for all eternity? I'm going to be sitting on a cloud in heaven playing a harp? I don't like harps. I don't want to play a harp. To me, as I thought about that picture, as I contemplated eternity doing that, I'm thinking that's hell to me. That's not what heaven is at all. You're not going to be an angel in heaven. God's going to give you stuff to do, and it's stuff that you've probably never done before, but it's going to be stuff you are going to love doing. You're, gonna, you are, you're just going to be so blessed and so happy in heaven doing the things that God has for you to do. And again, it's going to be based on your passions and your giftings. I mean, you're going to look at that, and you're going to say, seriously, really, God, I get to do this? Wow. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard the things that God has prepared for those that love him. There are, God has prepared some, there are some things coming 
in our, in our eternity that our eye has not seen, our ear has never heard of. Those are the things we're going to be doing in eternity. And it's going to be wild. Think of all the things that you get to do here now that you love, that you enjoy, that are, that are cool, that rock your world. Just wait, Paul says, until you get to heaven. There'll be no sickness. You won't be throwing your back out. There's not going to be any kind of sickness, disease, no cancer, no allergies. You're not going to break your arms. You're not going to throw your back out, things like that. We're going to be fully and completely released from pain, from sorrow, from suffering, from depression, from fear. Revelations 21 verse 4, towards the end of the good book, it says, he will wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, nor pain. All of that has gone forever. Who is heaven made for? It's made for everybody who puts their trust, who puts their faith in Jesus Christ. It's made for people who say, God, I want to be your child. I want to accept. I want to receive your free gift of eternal life. I want to receive your gift of forgiveness for all of my sins. First Peter chapter 1, 4 through 6 says, God has reserved for his children the priceless gift of eternal life. This is, this is the the whosoever Jesus talked about. God so loved the world that whosoever puts their faith and trust in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. God has reserved this for every one of us who put our faith and trust in him goes on and says uh, there, for God has reserved for his children the priceless gift of eternal life. It is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay, and God in his mighty power will make sure that you get there safely. Underline that. God is committed to making sure you and I get there safely by just trusting him by putting our faith, our confidence in him. It's not up to you to make sure you get there safely. And, and thanks be to God, it's not up to me that you get there safely. He will make sure that you get there safely. He says, so be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though the going is rough for a while down here. We all feel that, don't we? There are times where the going is rough down here. There are times where we get banged up and we get bruised. We get knocked around. He says, be glad. There's wonderful joy ahead. Better things are coming. Let me close with this. Jesus says in John 10, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. How do I know I'm going to heaven? Two things. Jesus said, my sheep listen to me. They hear my voice and they follow me. They're obedient. They do what I say. Are you doing that? Are you listening for the voice of God? And are you doing what he's calling you to do?
then you can say with absolute confidence, surely, certainly, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, regardless of what happens. And I will dwell in the house. I have an eternity awaiting for me. And so this day and all the days that follow, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. If that is your statement of faith, that that is the proclamation of your mouth, that that is the belief of your heart, then you have nothing to fear. You have nothing to fear now, and you have nothing to fear in the future. Amen? Let's stand together this morning. Father, again, we just thank you for this wonderful psalm. Together has power. And Lord, when our life is united, when our life is intertwined with you, and your life is united and intertwined with ours, together has power. And we thank you, Father, that no matter what comes at us in this life, Lord, nothing will ever take us out of your hands. And Father, we just thank you, Lord, as your children for that confidence, for that certainty, Lord, that your goodness, your mercy, your faithfulness, your love, every attribute, everything about you, God, will follow us all the days of our life. And Father, that you will lead us and you will guide us to that eternity, Father, where we will be with you for all eternity. Father, I pray for those this morning that do not have that confidence, that maybe have never, ever asked you to forgive them of their sins. Father, I thank you this morning that your word says that you're standing at the door of those people's hearts this morning, and God, you're knocking on that door. And God, you're knocking for a response. You're, you're knocking in hopes that they will open that door and invite you to come in. And God, your word says, Lord, that if we will respond to that knocking, if we'll open that door, that you will come in and you will dine with us. You will live in us. And God, you will fulfill every plan and purpose for our life after that point, Father. So I just pray for anybody here this morning that does not know you. If they're here this morning and they're saying, I, I, don't, I don't hear his voice, I don't know how to follow him, that God this morning, that the voice that they would hear this morning is that invitation of John three sixteen for God so loved everyone in the world that anyone, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but will have everlasting life so father i just pray this morning that you would lead people that have never put their faith in you father to be able to just again open their hearts to receive you to receive your forgiveness to receive your grace to receive your mercy that god you would begin a new work in them the old man would be crucified that new life would just come forth right now in the name of jesus simply because we said yes to jesus 
So, Father, this morning we just again thank you for that promise of eternal life. We thank you for that promise, Lord, that you are always with us. You will never leave us nor forsake us. And, Father, we just ask, Lord, that you would give us confidence in that both now and forevermore. And all of God's people said, Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.